Welcome to So You Want to Be a Leader, Really? A Defy Expectations podcast. I'm Vicki Hampson. And I'm Pat Chapman-Pincher. We're here to explore the highs and lows of leadership today with our guests. And help you navigate the complexities of being a leader from every aspect, from the sublime to the ridiculous and everything in between. This week's guest is Victoria Tomlinson, who is the chief executive of Next Up. Hi there. Thank you for asking me. I'm really looking forward to this. Great. Great to have you here, Victoria. Victoria, you said you would like to discuss leadership skills you didn't know you had. That's a really intriguing and interesting topic. So please tell us, um, what's behind this? Well, it was, it was really interesting. We started Next Up um, four years ago now, and it started because we were seeing a stream of people coming to us to help them to rebrand themselves, if you like, help them on LinkedIn and helping them to get roles. When they were working, if they had ever even thought about retirement, they vaguely thought, oh, I'll probably get a non-exec role when I retire. And there were really two couple of issues around that. The first one was, say they were chief exec of a large corporate, they kind of thought automatically that's going to work to get a non-exec role. And what they don't really think about is it's the non-exec experience people are wanting on a board. And that non-exec has all sorts of things about influencing and about not trying to dive in and solve every problem. I know when I first went on a board, I was very exec and you try and solve every problem around the board and that's not what you're there for. And the other problem was that, well, to be honest, that a lot of them were men and they were looking for more diversity so they couldn't get those roles. But actually one headhunter said that very often it's the things that you've done, say you might have been a governor of a school at a really difficult time, maybe it was a failing school or that there were mergers going on, and actually that can be of more interest to others. And the other thing is really the opposite of that. So this is where this particularly skills that you don't know about comes in. A lot of people were sort of saying, I don't know what to do, um, I haven't got the skills for X, Y, Z. And what we were trying to do was help them identify their leadership skills or other skills that they didn't really think about. So as an example, we got the mentoring tech entrepreneurs. And initially when we did this, people go, oh, help, I can't do this, I'm not a tech. Um, I don't know, you know much about technology or whatever. And I was saying to them, well, look, you don't need to know about tech. These young entrepreneurs, because they mostly are young, they know everything that they need to know about the tech. What they don't have is that broad range of skills, such as um, often it's people issues. Many of them have come straight out of university and started a business, and they've never managed people, and they don't really know what a good boss looks like. Um, maybe things like finance. I'm sure we've all seen younger businesses where you get very enthusiastic and maybe you've raised a lot of money and funding, but you haven't really got your eye on the ball with finance. And it's that ability to look at the bigger picture. It's also a lot of it about articulating your business to another audience. Um, and what we were really finding was that these people have got amazing skills, but they didn't look at them themselves as being skills to offer to others. I hope that makes sense. I mean, I think it went around the houses a bit on it, but hope that hopefully that explains what I'm trying to say here. It makes absolute sense. And uh, it's this 
would somebody give us the gift to see ourselves as others see us? Yes, yeah. Are there times in your career when some of these skills are more important than others, do you think? Well, this is interesting about leadership skills because I haven't really analysed leadership skills for many years, you know, in, in that sort of theoretical, analytical way. I think when you're running a business, it's probably something we ought to do a little bit more of, if I'm honest. So anyway, I went to, I went to Google to remind myself what are leadership skills. And it was quite interesting because they have seven leadership skills, nine leadership skills or whatever. And they were listing things like willingness to listen, perseverance, decisiveness, goal setting and planning, delegation and lots more. And I then went on your, Pat, uh, on your website, Pat, and it was quite interesting, leadership skills you're defining in quite a different way. And I found that really interesting, the contrast there. So you talk about transformational leadership, managing well-being, culture of openness, maintaining a customer focus, optimising productivity and risk management. So I think some of those things are reflected in the other ways, but I think you've got a new way of looking at them. And it really got me thinking about, do you need different skills at different times? So I think at the moment, post-COVID, you definitely need transformational leadership skills. But really, haven't we all been doing that all this time? You know, I think back, um, I'm happy to say I'm now 66. So I've been around the block a long time. And if I think the time that I had my previous business, you know, we went through two recessions. One was an absolute humdinger. And... Of course, that was all through the last 30 years. That was when the whole world has been going digital. Um, I mean, initially websites bringing them in, they were just these flat brochures. And then gradually, you know, Web 2.0, as we used to call it, came in and social media where websites became interactive, if you like. Um, and on my business, we were always just gently ahead of the curve, I would call it. We weren't trailblazers on digital, but we were always watching what was going on and being quite early to adopt. So I thought about those skills and then what's different then and now. But really those skills were about horizon scanning, if you like, and then taking some managed risks about going in for technology um, and, and bringing your team with you and that bringing your team with you, I think is one of the, for me, it was, I enjoyed doing it, but it was quite tough if you like. Um, social media in particular, I remember it was back in 2007 and I was picking up quite a lot of people saying, this is the future. And I thought, is it? And we got, um, I got all my team to go and research different bits of what was happening and brought in three or four experts for business planning day. And I got everybody to present to each other. And then at the end of the day, we said, right, what's the decision? Are we going to go with this or not? But it was really difficult because there weren't any courses and there weren't really even any books at that stage, not for the B2B market, the professional market that I was in. So I know that my team at times thought I'd lost the plot, frankly, on all of this. Um, so I think those skills, they look different in, in what you're doing, if you like, but the fundamental skills, I think, are probably the same. And I, when I was preparing for this interview, I asked my colleague and I said, so what are my leadership skills? And she said, well, you're always focused. So this bit about goal setting, I think probably in there it is important and looking for new opportunities, managing risks and ensuring that the team is working well. And I think those are really important. And I think those are pretty timeless, really. Thank you, Victoria. So hearing this account, it's really made me want to ask you, 
the ways in which you think you can leverage and enhance these skills even further in yourself? Yes, I mean, I think when you have a small business, and I kept it small on purpose, this new business is very different, we've got ambition to scale. But the previous business being um, a people business, I just thought, I don't want to scale that. So we did do things like appraisals at various stages of that business, but we found they became quite repetitive and really didn't add much value. So the way that we did that, and then we've all um, transitioned, if you like, into this new business, and the way we do that now is we focus on the business, where it's going, and then what the skills are that we need for the business, if you like. Because I think actually that gives you much more direction than just looking at you personally. I'm sure my, my faults, if you like, would be the same year after year. You know, you're impatient, impulsive. And I don't think I'm going to change on some of that. But um, you do have to keep developing, but we do it in the context of the business. Um, rather than on an individual appraisal way. And that actually, I think, is a really good way, because you can talk about those faults in, in that context much more easily than faults. Are they faults? They're, they're attributes, aren't they? Yes. I mean, I think it's always got to be in the context of the business. Otherwise, you, you, know, you can just go down a complete blind alley. Your latest business is working with people towards the end of their career or possibly towards the end of their um, big blue chip employment career. You mentioned earlier about getting them to mentor tech entrepreneurs. How else are you using people to, um, or sorry, how else are you help, helping people to use their leadership skills? Yes, I, you were about to challenge yourself on that one, Pat. Um, I think we have to be careful talking about end of career because for me, that's a massive problem when we think mm -hmm. of anything at this stage as being the end of. And we're not talking about this as a continuation of our lives, if you like, and the skills that we need for this next stage. Um, I just did a TEDx talk um, a, a week or so ago, and it was on, of course, a generation of wasted skills. And I used two stories to demonstrate what the issues are and where we need to start helping people. So the first one was Jules, um, and she was head of exec ed education at Asheridge Business School. And she had moved to be near her parents when she left Ashridge. And she wrote to councils and schools and charities and said, can I help you all for free? And never got a response. So she was kind of desperate thinking, and she said, you know, my friends are all helping charity shops. And now there's nothing wrong with that. But actually she kind of felt I, I could do a lot more to help people than that. And so she was introduced to me as being somebody who's networked and saying, could you introduce her to someone? So we had a coffee. And in the coffee, Jules just mentioned in passing, you know, I always had that idea for a business. And I sort of looked at her and said, yes, and, and what's happened to that? She said, oh, well, you know, I can't do that now. At the time, she said, I'm going to be 60 next year. And I said, well, I'm going to work for another 20, 30 years. And I was a bit younger, but not much at that time. And she laughs now and she says, I looked, at, I looked at you and thought, well, if you can work another 20 years, so can I. So um, there was sort of a light bulb going on in her head about suddenly thinking, why am I limiting myself? So the, the famous story with that one was that literally the coffee turned into lunch 
Um, we talked about helping her to build her website. She knew, she knew how to start a business. She had all the contacts she needed. And literally within about a month or so, she was off and running it. And that was six years ago. And she's making a massive difference to corporates with what she's doing. So what was that skill that she needed there? It was just about confidence, really, and about seeing herself differently. So I found that quite extraordinary because she was clearly competitive, as you can tell by the story. And she was also very successful. So why was she limiting herself there? And then I talked about David, who had worked for a very well-known consumer brand. He was managing director. And he, part of that had been involved in, in um, through the consumer sales side, that they were looking at how to help people in debt. And he was saying, that's what I'd like to focus on at this next stage of my life, um, and maybe help some charities around this. And he, he came to see me, he was sent to see me, bless him. And I looked at his CV and I said, David, you don't even mention about this experience about helping people in debt. And he set up all sorts of things to do that. And it was fantastic. So with him, all we needed to do was to repackage him, give him some interview skills. Because these people haven't really gone looking for anything since they left school. So it's a completely new world to them. And then the other thing is, well, actually, this bit about mentoring tech entrepreneurs came out of, I do think our generation has been really poor at staying up to date with technology. You know, you don't want people to be experts, but you want them to be able to manage it, if you like. And you and I, Pat, talked about all of this a very long time ago, about the fact that boards don't really, they don't have the expertise around the board table that they should have. And I think now when people are leaving corporate life, they no longer have all of that briefing and all the rest of it that goes on with them. And they themselves need to own that space of staying up to date in technology. You know, we were just talking this morning, um, Facebook, I think, was launched in 2004. You think what's happened in that time? And LinkedIn was, I think, 2003. So we've got, you know, 20 years or so. Look at what's changed in the world. And if people want to stay up to date, they have got to stay up to date, I think, for the future, because it will it's changing at an astronomical pace still, and they have to stay up to date with it. Are those skills? I'm not sure, but I think, I think they are skills. And of course, that bit about being objective about yourself is what you do, isn't it, through coaching? I don't think we do look at ourselves very well, and I think you need that outside view to help you through that and to develop those new skills. Beautiful. And that's a really lovely bridge, Victoria, into the, the next question I wanted to put across to you. And at Defy Expectations, we, we really love our brand identity and, and we love being a little bit disruptive. So my question is, I'd, I'd really love to hear from you. Um, what would be a pay forward pearl of defiant wisdom for others who are thinking about leading and particularly young people who are thinking about leading? Well, I'm not sure if it's defiant, but I've always given advice. I've done loads of career talks, haven't we all, over the years? And in the old days, it used to be about how do I get into PR and, you know, all sorts of other things like that. And I have always said, go and find a charity that you, you're passionate about, something, a cause that you're passionate about, and go and offer to help, again, you know, for free. Because I think that the skills that you learn in helping a charity are enormous. They're so under-resourced. You can take on any project almost. And it's a very quiet way of learning, getting some expertise and things without being watched at, at work, if you like, with your every step and minor failures along the way. People are so grateful for your help. 
you can learn loads. And of course, I'm, I'm basing this on my own experience because I was asked to go on a charity. You would call it being a trustee these days. It wasn't at the time, though, but uh, at the age of 24. And that's how I got into PR. They thought I was in sales, selling banknotes around the world. And they thought that was um, PR and marketing. So they asked me to do that. And I thought, right. And I got a committee together uh, to, to teach me about PR and marketing. And then I started running some campaigns. And that's an ability to learn and to lead. And we're working with volunteers always and learning how to manage. If you can manage people who are voluntary, uh, I think you can manage anybody. So that would be my pay forward bit about go and go, go away somewhere and practice all these things in, in the quiet and learn from it. It's a fantastic way. Oh, thank you, Victoria. They're fantastic insights. And I'm with you. I think anyone that can run a charity can run anything. Um, yeah. They're so much harder to run than, than uh, companies. Um, but that's been a, a brilliant conversation. Thank you. Oh, not at all, Pat. And, and also you, Vicky. It's a, it's a pleasure. I mean, I think never, as you say, never were leadership skills needed than more at this time. So anything that we can do to help and share. I know, oh my goodness, there have been lots of failings and mistakes along the way, but wishing both both of you and all your listeners and your clients as well every success thank you wonderful it's just been great uh there were so many things that were really genuinely thought-provoking victoria and very real world scenario for me right now with clients i'm working with and you know day-by-day -day situations but a few things that really stood out for me were and it's very prominent at the moment in some of my coaching work this this advice of as a leader, dropping the badge of being, a, my, my phrase is a CPS, a chief problem solver. Um, and as you highlighted right at the start, this, this is a real skill and it's, it's the hidden skill. Um, and to really allow that to shine through and, and to step back. And what's been coming through is when you step back, others can learn their skill to fill that space. That was a really strong one. One other that was very strong and a great learning for me right now, and, and I'm hoping others as well, is this, you know, you called out the Defy Expectation reference to transformational leadership. And it really made me think in your description of this very regular push-pull factor between, I guess, the sexiness, for want of a better description, of transformation versus the need for balance with day-to-day -day business as usual, which is very hard to actually wrap for, for individuals within the business to wrap their heads around. And a great leader is one that can enable that as well. So, so your descriptions really made me think of that. Thank you for that. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think one of the things that absolutely stood out is life goes on. You have to keep working um, if you're going to stay both interested, but also if you're going to say interesting. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's after the standard retirement age now, there's 30, 35 years of life, if you're lucky. Um, and you've got to stay interesting and interested through, throughout the whole of that. You are spot on, Pat. You're spot on. I don't think people really think enough about that. You're absolutely right. Mm. I'd like to actually um, credit Billy Connolly, one of my favorite comics for, for that. He always makes me think about how do I still stay 
not only uh, interested, interesting, but also windswept as well. That's one of his famous <laughs> quotes. <laughs> Sorry for that tangent. Um, so if you've been as inspired as we've been with this great discussion and with our amazing guests, please check back in as we're running these regularly and we're covering every aspect of the skills leaders will need to continuously develop, stay interesting and windswept and evolve to thrive. Our next session will continue our chat with an emerging leader as we dive further into how you bring leadership to all levels of the organization. Do look at our website. It's packed with tips and inspirations for you on our blog. We'll look forward to being with you on our next chat. And I hope it's as interesting as this one. Mm -hmm.